The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The last time we heard these words from Isaiah as a community, we were in the season of Advent, in a season of waiting and anticipation, in a season focused on preparing for the coming of Emmanuel, in a time where we recall the world's expectation and longing for the first coming of Jesus Christ into our humanity, and in a time where we anticipate his second coming and final victory. Now, after having journeyed through Advent and Christmas, we are gathered here for our first chapel of 2021 on the day of Epiphany, a day that recognizes that Christ has come to us. He has joined us in our flesh, and he has been revealed to us as the Savior of the world. Epiphany is a pivotal time in the church calendar. In fact, historically, Epiphany has been considered one of the highest feast days of the liturgical year, and it still is in some traditions. Most of us have probably grown up in traditions that consider Christmas and Easter to be the two leading holy days of the life of the church. However, believe it or not, Epiphany has had more historical prominence than Christmas. At Christmas, the church celebrates the incarnation of Christ, his coming as God with us in our flesh to live among us. There's no doubt that the incarnation is a magnificent event worthy of much, much praise. It changed the entire course of human history. So what then makes Epiphany so special? Why has it been celebrated more than Christmas in many traditions of the church without the history of the church? Well, on Epiphany, the church celebrates the manifestation of Jesus Christ as the Lord of the whole world. Whereas at Christmas, we ponder the mysteries of the incarnation, Christ's coming in human form to bring salvation. On Epiphany, the church reflects on the Christ who has been revealed to us. The word Epiphany simply means manifestation. And so Epiphany reminds us of the Christ who has been made manifest to us. It calls us to see Jesus for who he really is. Epiphany, therefore, calls us to behold the magnitude of this manifestation primarily through three gospel accounts. First, the adoration of the Christ child by the Magi. Second, the baptism of Christ by John. And third, the wedding feast at Cana. Each of these three accounts points out something very specific about Jesus and what he has come here on earth to do. For example, the story of the Magi acknowledges that Jesus has been made manifest to all peoples of the earth. By telling the story of these men who came from afar to worship Christ, Epiphany proclaims that Jesus' offer of redemption is to everyone, to Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, slave and free, rich and poor, every nation, tribe, and tongue. Likewise, Epiphany proclaims that Christ has made a way for all to enter into life with him. Through the story of Christ's baptism, we see that he has invited us to join in his life through the waters of baptism. He meets us in those waters that he sanctified 
through his own baptism, so that through our baptism, we are engrafted into Christ and joined in his life. Finally, the wedding at Cana typifies Christ's relationship with his bride, the church. He loves us as a faithful groom loves his bride. And through our submission to him, he seeks to continue to do miraculous wonders in this world. Likewise, he has come not only to offer salvation and sanctification, but also to form his people into a body. This is all a reflection of who Christ is. This is the epiphany, the revelation of Christ to us. It is common in the scriptures for the theme of Christ's manifestation to be expressed through the symbolism of light. This is why sometimes Epiphany is also known as the Feast of Lights. On Epiphany, the church celebrates the illumination of the world by the light of Christ. This is seen especially in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, which served as our call to worship today, with Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecy foretold. Hear now these verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. As you probably heard, there's a strong echo of many of the epiphany themes in this Isaiah passage. Christ has come. His light has shone for all the world to see. Kings are drawn to him. Nations are coming to him. A great light has dawned upon the earth. Often when I think of this Isaiah passage, and especially when I think of it in light of Epiphany, I get an image in my head of this great burst of light suddenly appearing Almost like that moment when you're sitting in a dark room and someone suddenly turns on the light switch. You've probably been in that situation before. The light comes on and it's overwhelming. You find yourself squinting and shielding your eyes from the light. You need a few moments to readjust to this light that has suddenly penetrated the room. And it's kind of staggering at first. It takes some time to see rightly. But once your eyes have gotten adjusted and comfortable in the light, you're good to go. So the people who were sitting in darkness in that situation have seen the great light. Where they were once dwelling in darkness, now they are dwelling in light. This approach to epiphany, if we think of epiphany in this way, it reminds me of a popular Christian artist from the 90s and early 2000s named Thomas Kincaid. Kincaid was often related to as the painter of light, and this was because of the way his paintings had a particular glow about them. It's, it's been referred to now as the Kincaid glow. As you can see from the image that um, we have here for you, light overwhelms his paintings. If you pay attention to the buildings, you'll see every single light is on in the houses. Even in the church, every single light is on, and the car as well. Every single light that could be on is turned on in that painting. This was typical for Kincaid. He wanted his paintings to be filled with light so as to portray an idyllic feel and an inspirational tone. The light was meant to overwhelm every part of the painting and leave the viewer in a state of peace and tranquility. Feeling good about his or herself, 
feeling good about God and feeling good about the world. It's almost as if Kincaid was telling the viewer, see how wonderful life is when it is full of light. I think it's easy to approach epiphany with this kind of mindset. At least it is for me. I can easily think of Christ-like coming and being all around me. It's something that is ever-present because Christ has come, because Christ is the light of the world. And the problem is I can get used to this light. Um, actually, I can begin to ignore it. I, I forget that I am in that light because it's everywhere. Um, I don't really think about it. And honestly, it doesn't seem to demand too much of me. In contrast to maybe what we could call a Kincaid view of, of epiphany, there's another way to think about what it means for the light of Christ to dawn upon the world. Isaiah 60 verse 2 helps me reconsider the manner of this light. We remember Isaiah 60. Um, here's what verse 2 says. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. Here's the thing. When Christ came, he came as a light in the darkness. His light was made manifest in contrast to the darkness. Yes, Christ is the light of the world, but I don't think that light comes like my notion of overhead lights being flipped on or like a Thomas Kincaid painting. Instead, he comes as light in the midst of darkness. There's another artist that I think helps better capture what it means for Christ to come as light in the midst of darkness. This artist has also been known as a painter of light, and his name is Rembrandt. Let's take a look at a moment at this painting of his called The Adoration of the Shepherds. Obviously, this painting is quite different than the Kincaid painting we saw just a moment ago. There's more darkness present in Rembrandt's painting than light. But in the midst of that present darkness, our eyes are drawn to light. There's a light that stands out in contrast to the darkness, and it grabs our attention. Rembrandt used this interplay of shadows and light, a technique known as chiaroscuro for those that um, are into art theory. Um, but it's this contrast of shadows and light to draw the viewer's gaze to a particular part of the painting. And here's what's important about that. By drawing the, the viewer's attention to that particular part of the painting, that part gives meaning to the rest of the painting. All other things are oriented by what the light is shining on. And I think this is the proper way for us to understand epiphany. It is much more Rembrandt-esque than Kincaid. When Christ comes as the light of the world, he came to be light in the midst of darkness. He came to draw our attention, to draw our gaze unto himself, to show us a way of life and love that contrasts the darkness. So instead of thinking of the light of Christ as an overhead light suddenly coming on and overwhelming a room, perhaps a better analogy would be to think of a people trapped in a cave 
in need of rescue. All is dark. They have no way of seeing, much less any way of saving themselves. They are a people dwelling in darkness. But then someone comes down to them holding a lantern. This person bears light in the midst of their darkness. Likewise, this person knows the way out of the darkness, the way out of the cave. And that person will lead those that are in need of rescue out of the cave so long as they keep their eyes focused on the light and focused on the one who leads them. This is what Christ has come to do. He has come to rescue us when we were living in darkness. He has come to show us the light. Needless to say, we are a people very familiar with darkness. In numerous ways, just this past year, 2020, was a dark year for us. Between the coronavirus pandemic, political hostility, racial tensions, and social anxiety, many of us are exhausted by the darkness that we have felt overwhelm us over the past 11 months. I think we were all ready to see 2020 come to an end, and we were hopeful for major improvements in 2021. There's great anticipation for the promises and opportunity that this next year holds. But here's the thing, darkness is still going to be around us. Until Christ, until Christ comes again, in this world, we will have trouble. Christ himself said in the Gospel of John, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So the question for us is, will we focus on the darkness or will we turn our gaze toward the light? It's easy for me to keep my attention on the darkness. There's a lot of darkness that I feel needs my attention as if it needs my help. Um, it needs me to be a light somehow. But turning my attention to the darkness is not the right orientation. That is not what Epiphany calls me to. Let's look at the Rembrandt painting once again. In this painting, the source of the light is obvious. It's Jesus. But look to where that light extends. It extends to those who have their faces turned toward him. Of course, the light of Christ is the only true light that can be present in the darkness. But here is what is amazing about Jesus's grace. He empowers us so that his light is reflected in and through those who draw near to him and turn their attention toward him. In this way, epiphany is extended through us as we become reflective manifestations of Christ's light to the world. So friends, I encourage you on this epiphany, draw near to Christ, for he has drawn near to you. Keep your gaze fixed upon him. Do not be overwhelmed by the darkness. I know the darkness can be tempting. The darkness buys for our attention. It woos us, not only with its lures of sin, 
but also with invitations to avert our gaze and to address the darkness itself. But Christ is the only one who can truly bring light into the darkness. Only his light contrasts the darkness. So fix your gaze on Christ. And may his light be an epiphany to you and within you. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.